0: Welcome to episode number 41 of the Raw Food Podcast. I am your host, Laura Jane, the Rawtarian, and today we are welcoming a special guest to the show, Jennifer Cornbleet. She's the author of Raw Food Made Easy, among other books. She's also the lead instructor at the Living Light Culinary Institute in California, and she hangs out also at learnrawfood.com. So please stay tuned, and Jenny and I will be back with you shortly. Hello, Jenny, we were just talking. We're on opposite sides of the country, but we're here today united through the idea of simplicity of raw food. So thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you. Uh, Of course, I have been following you for years. I know all about you and your story, but I thought for our listeners who might not They might have been living under a rock for some time and they don't know who you are. So maybe, Jenny, you could just give us a bit of an intro about who you are and how you got into this world of raw food.
1: Sure, sure. So, well, I loved to cook my entire life, and I became a vegetarian at a really early age, and my dad was a great cook, so I kind of always had this love of, of food and vegetarian food. And um, many years ago, about 20 years ago, a yoga I was taking yoga classes in my early 20s, and a yoga teacher uh, recommended, who was really healthy and an example of health for me, and he said, you know, you should think about including more raw in your diet. He ate a lot of raw and it was totally new to me, but I trusted him, and I was intrigued. So I just kind of gave it a try. I didn't know how to be creative. I just kind of had a lot of salads and juices <laughs> for all a month, and um, and I really noticed a huge difference in how I felt. I didn't have any major health issues, but I just had so much more energy, and I was sleeping better, and I lost ten pounds, and mm-hmm. I had you know digestive problems went away, allergies went away. I just noticed this big difference of what would happen if I changed my diet and ate more fresh raw foods and so I just began incorporating it into my daily life, and because I loved to cook, I was also really intrigued by the creativity of it because it was suddenly like all these more um, healthy options that I could make that I never even thought about, and I started really just playing around with it in the kitchen. And then one summer, just many years later, I was a high school English teacher, and I had summers off, so I went to a raw food chef school in in Northern California called the Living Light Institute just Mm -hmm. for a couple of weeks
0: just, just to kind of learn more Recipes for myself. You're a teacher and you're taking classes in your summer holidays. I love it.
1: Yes. <laughs> and um, and then that really opened my eyes to not only are raw foods healthy, but it can just be so creative and delicious and there's so much you can do with it. And, and that experience really made me decide, you know, I'm going to quit my job as a high school teacher and start teaching raw food classes full time. And that's what I've been doing um, for many, many years. And I wrote my first book, Raw Food Made Easy, for one or two people because as I was teaching, uh, my students would say, you know, we love eating this way, but we need it to be really, really simple. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I mean, now there's so many wonderful raw books out there and blogs and everything, but at the time, there wasn't as much out there and a lot of what was out there was kind of complicated mm-hmm. and a lot of dehydration and super gourmet and all this kind of stuff. So um, I really made it my goal in that book book. Uh, and it was for myself, too, because even though I do love um, to cook and to eat, I also am busy. I don't like spending hours in the kitchen. I, I like simplicity for myself. So mm-hmm. I really wrote that book, One or, Raw Food Made Easy for one or two people, for me and my students uh, to find a simpler way to include more raw in your mm-hmm. diet.
0: I'm just reveling in your answer to my question and that it makes such sense that you would kind of have your book come out of the needs of your of your students and also of yourself, because it is true that a, a lot of the stuff out there is quite gourmet, and the, we are all just real people, and we just need to have some simple solutions. So I know that that isn't that was probably your first book, but since then you've gone on to write a few others as well.
1: Yeah, so after that, um, I wrote Raw for Dessert, just because um, I like to teach what I want to learn, and I do have a sweet tooth, and I just kind of wanted to make a lot of desserts. So that was just kind of. <laughs> for me mm-hmm. um and you know got all the dessert out of my system so yeah that one um i uh just finished it's it's not published yet but I've written a green smoothies for everyday book which will be coming out soon and also a a book with with the co-author actually the yoga instructor who introduced me to raw foods called uh, medium raw that'll be coming out in the future about mm-hmm. um how to include raw um <clears throat> with other healthful cooked foods if if you don't want to be 100 percent with it yes. so yeah
0: yeah wow that. All sounds very exciting. And and I love that idea of medium raw because I know a lot of people can get caught up in that all or nothing thinking or feeling like they're not really gonna bother with raw because they can't go 100%. So I think that's amazing. That'll be really well received, I'm sure. I think that is actually a really nice segue into the sort of the idea of how we can eat more raw food and do we need to be 100% raw And why is it important to have simple recipes? Because I know that it sounds like that was something that you really felt was needed from your people, the simplicity side of things. And is that something that you think is really important to be simple? Or maybe you can talk a little bit more about why that's important.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean... I mean, for several reasons. One reason I think it's important to to be simple is that all of us, even if we love gourmet cooking, which, which isn't most people, but even for those who do, people get busy. Like even people who love gourmet complicated cooking get busy. So, so I mean- a lot of people aren't interested in, in gourmet cooking and they just wanna be healthy and have something tasty but not spend a lot of time in the kitchen. And even those who enjoy spending time in the kitchen get really busy and can't do it all the time. So you need to have something to fall back on just for daily weekday meals so that you know when you don't have the time you're still gonna be able to eat really healthy, but also enjoy your food, you know, not sacrifice the flavor and the pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I also think that, for me, sometimes the simplest dishes – I mean, sometimes people think it's either simple or flavorful, you know, like you have to choose or something. Mm -hmm. But I actually think sometimes the simplest dishes can actually be the most flavorful because you're really highlighting individual ingredients and and all of that. So, I mean – I think there's so many reasons to eat simply. Um, It saves you time. It can actually be just as delicious. Uh, It can be healthier you know, when you're not combining a million different things. It can be more affordable. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just think there's so many reasons to know how to eat simply in in a way that doesn't sacrifice
0: flavor. Absolutely. So you did mention enjoying some simple dishes. I would love it if you could share some of your favorite simple dishes that Maybe your students love, or you might even eat on a on an everyday basis.
1: Sure, sure. So, um, well, I mean, I'll, can I kind of break it down into breakfast, lunch, dinner? Should we do it like that, or that just- would be perfect? Okay, okay, okay. So. So for breakfast, and I always recommend that if people don't even know where to start with changing their diet, that breakfast is a great place to start because it's one of the easiest meals to change. It's not as social. Um, it's, we're more familiar with raw foods at breakfast time anyway. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of an easy step for people to take. Um, and yet you take it and you've changed maybe 30% of your diet just in changing your breakfast. So mm-hmm. in starting there, I think one of the simplest things people can do is to make a green smoothie, um, it requires a blender, but it's just a matter of blending together um, a little bit of fruit, some water, and some green leafy vegetables. It has a wonderful, fresh, subtly sweet taste. You're getting greens in there. Um, it's raw. It's quick. So, I mean, that's like one really simple thing I love. Um, one of my favorite green smoothies is just um, an apple, lime, banana, uh about maybe four cups of greens. And um, and that's really it, some ice. If you want it hardier you could add like some almonds in there or sunflower seeds mm-hmm. or something, you know, soak them and blend them in there or, or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so a green smoothie can just be like a really, really simple, easy thing you can do. And then I would say the second thing after that, then once you've kind of changed your breakfast to a green smoothie, at least some of the time, mm-hmm. maybe then trying to change lunch um, is a good idea because Whereas breakfast can really set the tone for the day. Once you have a healthy lunch, then you've kind of really kind of stabilized and, you know, your day and you're you're going to feel a lot better. So mm-hmm. um, for lunch, I think there's so many things you can do. But one thing I often fall back on, it doesn't sound super exciting, but is a really, really delicious salad. And I know, you know, salad's like, oh, yeah, we all, you know, have salads <laughs> all the time. but. Um, But I think the trick when it's raw is adding something to it to make it more hearty and luscious. So it's not just like lettuce, tomato, cucumber and nothing else, you know. Yes,
0: I love to call those salad toppers. That's what I kind of call them sometimes. (laughs) But I know because that can really elevate a salad to being more than just a salad, like to actually being something that is exciting.
1: Right, right. Uh, yeah, it really is. And so what my favorite thing to do, uh, for that is to use some kind of nuts and seeds in a dressing, a creamy luscious dressing mm-hmm. to kind of turn a salad into a main dish. So like I might start with, you know, my typical salad base that works year round is going to be lettuce. Um, I make this ahead at the beginning of the week. I'll, uh, wash, dry and chop, you know, a bunch of lettuce, just keep it in a salad spinner in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Um, Or for convenience, you can always use those prepackaged mixed greens, you know, if you want to be really quick and that's fine. Mm -hmm. And then I'll grate or shred just some carrots, some beets, thinly slice some cabbage. That all keeps for several days. Just Mm -hmm. keep that in the fridge. And then I can just quickly... Um, assemble a salad from that, maybe slice a cucumber on top or a tomato if I want to or whatever. And then what I'll do um, to make a luscious creamy dressing is just right in a big salad bowl. I don't even need a blender for this. I'll just whisk together some tahini, which is a sesame seed paste, uh, some water, a little lemon and a clove of garlic and just mm. whisk in a little salt and just whisk that together mm-hmm. and then pile all my vegetables in and then give it a big uh, toss If I want to take a little more time, I might make a a raw vegan ranch dressing by blending some soaked cashews in a blender with water, lemon, onion, garlic powder, and herbs. That's a little more time consuming than the tahini, but still pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what happens is when I toss that with my salad, suddenly it's like this luscious creamy thing is like the vehicle for my salad. And I almost feel like I'm eating, you know, a a creamy cheesy dish or even a dessert. I mean, it feels like decadent. It doesn't Mm -hmm. just even feel like salad. And, um, and yeah, you know, and nuts and seeds have healthy fats, they're really, some protein, they're really satisfying. Um, but also I feel like even though you maybe don't want to eat like a, a ton of nuts and seeds, having just a little bit in there, um, it, it makes me eat way more vegetables than I would otherwise eat. So mm-hmm. for that reason, it's just such a healthy choice for me.
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds delicious. And I, I hear you about the tahini. I know that some people think they might not like tahini but I always liken it to the idea of well nobody likes butter like you don't just sit around gnawing on a big stick of butter much like with tahini you might not eat it with a spoon but it absolutely adds that luscious you know decadent taste so yeah that sounds delicious Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so I know those are really simple ideas um but a great smoothie, you know, just having a repertoire of like three fabulous smoothies, three fabulous main dish salads can really, really go a long way to simple ways to make those changes.
0: Definitely. So for dinner, would you also base that around a big salad on a, you know, weekday kind of thing? Or do you have another staple that is one of your favorites? Okay. Yeah. So for dinner, maybe I can give you a couple of options. Um, If I want to
1: eat all raw that day, which I don't do every day, but you know, if I want to, mm-hmm. um, I might have either another big salad, or if I know I'm going to eat all raw that day, may- I might save my big salad for dinner. And then for lunch, you know, do another smoothie or a blended soup or something like that. A soup mm-hmm. is like a savory, um, smoothie where you use vegetables like, um, cucumber, zucchini, tomato, red bell pepper as a base instead of fruit, and then mm-hmm. greens. And then maybe add some avocado and seasonings like onions and garlic. Mm-hmm. And it- really yummy. So I might do that for lunch, you know, instead of the salad, if I'm going to have my big salad at dinner. Or um, if I've had my big salad at lunch, and I still want an all raw dinner, that's when I might experiment with some of the simpler, um, you know, fun raw dishes, like I might make um, zucchini noodles, you know, which a lot of people are familiar with, which you can make with a vegetable peeler or a little gadget called a spiral slicer and mm-hmm. have it with a marinara sauce and maybe have like a side of a Mediterranean kale salad, a massaged kale salad um, with a little lemon juice and salt and some olives and some red bell pepper. So I might, you know, get a little more creative there uh, with dinner, or maybe I'll make a wrap, like a little burrito out of a romaine with, with some like, you know, pate or dip or raw hummus in it. You know, so there's different things you can do. Now, If I'm not going to eat all raw, and, and I don't and a lot of my students don't, what I'll make sure is that at least my lunch is really all raw or high raw with that main dish salad. My breakfast is raw with the smoothie. And then what I'll do at dinner, if I'm not going to eat a raw dinner, is at least try to get a little bit of raw in as a first course. And that can Mm -hmm. be as easy as just some crudite or cut up veggies with dip or salsa or guacamole, you know, before dinner. Mm -hmm. Or it could be like a small elegant salad before dinner or a small raw soup. And if I just get in that kind of raw first course and then maybe move on to some steamed vegetables, or or, or a healthy cooked foods for dinner, at least my dinner is still, you know, maybe 25% raw. And if the rest of my day has been all or mostly raw, I feel pretty good about that.
0: Absolutely. And I think everybody should. And I think what I really like about what you're talking about too is you're not only talking about the recipes, a lot of it is to do with, the word that comes to mind that's not quite right but is almost strategy like we all need to have a bit of a plan for our week and our days and I think if you can think about it in terms of like okay what am I gonna do today do I want to have an all-rod day or maybe I'm gonna have a crazy you know dinner out with my friends so I want to plan to have a really great breakfast and lunch and I think that mindfulness and planning And also even planning in the sense of like, okay, it's Sunday night, I'm going to wash up a bunch of lettuce and shred a bunch of carrots to get ready for the week. I think that that is so key. So I'm loving that you're mentioning both the recipes and, you know, some strategy for how to make it work in real life.
1: Absolutely. And I just, you're reminding me, I want to just kind of add one thing. I, I, you're making me realize I do kind of think in terms of like meal plan strategies all the time. You know? but, but but another thing that I do too, when it comes to these kind of meal plan strategies is I'll think about what's at the beginning of the week, what situations am I going to be in during the week? And how is that going to affect what I want to eat so for example with breakfast what that might mean is um, do I want like just a really healthy weekday breakfast or in which case I'll go to the green smoothie or something Mm -hmm. or do I want something just like really super healthy um, to you know maybe just uh, detox or cleanse a little bit then I might move to a juice a green juice or am I gonna have brunch with friends do I want something more fun like a raw granola you know so I'll think about my situation and then plan accordingly or for lunch You know, the big salad is great when I'm at home. But if I'm going to be on the go, that's when I might do a soup in a jar or Mm -hmm. do a pate or dip with some cut up veggies that I can take in a baggie or do a a more kind of I call them a deli salad, like like a kale salad that I know is going to keep in a container that I can take with me and not wilt from the dressing. So Mm -hmm. kind of having like different you know situational things like is it a lunch on the go? Is it a lunch at home? Is it a, a weekday breakfast? Is it a weekend breakfast? That really helps
0: me plan as well. Definitely, um, for sure. And before we we get off topic, I want to just close that out. So you had some great dinner ideas, and then do you think dessert has to be only on special occasions? Are you a dessert every day kind of lady? Oh. Talk to me about the desserts.
1: Okay, so dessert. Well, I've done different things before. I definitely went through a period when I first discovered raw desserts that I went kind of crazy with them <laughs> and had like, them all the time because they're so good. Yes. And they're also, you know, they're gluten free, they're, they're dairy free, a lot of them are sugar free. And, and so, you know, you feel like you're being healthy. So I kind of went crazy with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think they're healthier than most desserts out there. But I, for myself, I feel a little bit better when I, um, save even the healthful ones, you know, that are maybe sweetened with dried fruits or natural sweeteners or whatever. Um, when it's not every day, I feel like it tames my sweet tooth a little bit to not be every day, but I think it's just kind of, you know, a personal choice, but I certainly do enjoy them, you know, a few times a week. And I think having, I call them indulge without damage desserts Mm -hmm. (laughs) my husband coined for them. Um, but, um, you know, I, for me, I would much rather know that I can have a little something in the freezer or the fridge, even if it's as simple as a date stuffed with almond butter or something like that. And if that's going to tame my sweet tooth and prevent me from eating something really bad, um, I'm all mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I have totally a similar story in that I also went a bit berserk with the, the the desserts for a couple of years because they are so delicious. But I think it's exactly that is sometimes when people think, If I, okay, I'm going to have a chocolate craving. Well, how can I make something that's healthy, but still satisfies that? So I've kind of come around to that as well, where I'm not um, having dessert for breakfast, which was something I used to do. But I think we all want to know that when we have a craving, we can satisfy it. And I think that pretty much for sweets anyway, there's almost no craving for me that can't be satisfied with some sort of delicious raw dessert.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I've also gotten away from using as much concentrated sweetener. You know, in the early days, I you know would use a lot of agave nectar or maple syrup or or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And I found that as my taste buds have adjusted, I can do a lot just with a little bit of dried fruits or if I am going to use a concentrated sweetener, just a tiny amount. So I think that as your taste buds adjust, you can kind of go a little bit less on the sweetness while still having something really amazing and satisfying. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think another one of the really great benefits of having so many delicious raw desserts as well is for the the big skeptics in our lives like our parents or colleagues coworkers, that kind of thing it's really nice to be able to bring a raw dish that is really exciting and appealing to everyone and I think I like to call raw desserts sort of the gateway to raw foods because it can really open up people's minds that like you mean there's really avocado and dates in this Mm -hmm. so I think that's another one of the the benefits of the raw desserts as well
1: Absolutely. And that they appeal to so many people, even if they're not
0: interested in raw, particularly (laughs) they have a lot of appeal. (laughs) Yes, because most people are interested in like sweets, regardless of the (laughs) the health side of things. Um, So I know that you are a lead instructor at the Living Light Culinary Institute, which is definitely one of the premier raw food schools in the US. And I would just from that perspective, love to know a little bit in terms of maybe for beginners like your students that are beginners what do you think is some of the things that they really take away or that is satisfying to you about the teaching or tips for the beginners that you think are really can make a a really click or a big mind shift like I'm wondering if you could share any stories or just basic tips of for beginners that can really have a big effect
1: Okay, let me make sure I understand your question. Do you mean um, t- no, do you mean tips for beginners out there, the listeners, or do you mean um, anything related to the work I do at the Living Light Institute, or
0: um, anything? I think I think I was I'm really big on not only the food side of things, but also how to create a healthy habit. Or um, I know you mentioned like with trying to maybe start with smoothies as something that you think is a good thing to do, like change your breakfast. If you're really new and wanting to get big into raw food, what would be a tip that you might give a student who says, I really want to go raw or eat a lot of raw food, but I'm a horrible eater and I don't know where to begin? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, and the reason I asked that question is that a lot of times the students who come to, to the Living Light Institute, by the time they make that um, commitment, they're more interested in being chefs and teachers. So they're this kind of a whole different audience than, mm-hmm. than just usually total beginners don't go to the Institute. But so I kind of have different, you know, things I do with them, but mm-hmm. for but I also love teaching beginners. I mean, that's really my passion. And kind of just, you know, what I said to you before, thinking of how can you change your breakfast? Okay, a smoothie or if you don't want to do that, maybe some fresh fruit or if you want it to be more hearty, maybe some granola. But making a plan for how to change breakfast and then a plan for, okay, what are a few lunchtime salads I can have or soups or smoothies? And then how am I going to do dinner? Do I want to try all raw once or twice a week? Do I want it to, um, you know, just have a raw appetizer? Am I eating with my family? And mm-hmm. once um, you've kind of figured out, you know, your life situation and what's some realistic small steps for you, just making a pl- rather than trying to menu plan every single day, which I think is overwhelming. And then if you end up not following it, you've got a lot of ingredients going to waste. And I think that can be unrealistic for people. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But just mastering like um, pick three breakfast, lunch and dinner recipes and take a month to just master those, you know, because most people and then add one more in and then add one more in Mm -hmm. most people. Really just have a repertoire of maybe 10 meals that they love and and make often. And that really can be enough for a good long while. And then maybe you switch it up each season a little bit. But kind of just starting really small, mastering those dishes until you're really comfortable before you just get into information overwhelm and try to do everything.
0: I absolutely love your answer to this. I totally think that that's so key because especially when we all have to live in real life and we've got kids and jobs and maybe other family members who we're also making a second meal for um, I think that's so true that just that repetition and if you find something that you like just make it again and then it's going to be that much quicker and you're eventually almost going to go off book and you won't need the recipe for that smoothie or that meal and I think it really gives you confidence too so I think that's a great tip.
1: Yeah, you know, sometimes people always think more is better, but I think sometimes less is more. If, if you really are doing the right things and you're mastering it, and you love it, you know, sticking with that. And I wanted to just mention one thing you said about with the families, because this does come up often where people will tell me, "Oh, my husband or spouse or kids eat so differently, and I'm making mm-hmm. two different meals, and it's so frustrating." And one thing I recommend for for people like that is that you know, unless your family is are really, really junk food junkies, which can definitely happen, but it, assuming they're at least somewhat interested in, in being healthy, even people who are not raw or not vegetarian still should eat a lot of vegetables. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like they're not eating, you know, not going to eat that. So I recommend finding some sort of you know, base, some kind of plant based thing, it it could be raw, you know, if it's a salad, or it could be just vegetarian, if it's steamed vegetables, but Mm -hmm. finding something that, you know, everybody's gonna like and want and make that and then add like one component to it for um, your family, which is something familiar and pleasing to them, you know, so that it's not two radically different meals, but maybe it's one meal for all of you with this extra thing for them, that Mm -hmm. they can stick on top of your food or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. You know, but there's there's a way to kind of find the common denominator and then just do a little extra something for them rather than two just radically different things that can often work for people.
0: Yeah, I think that's an excellent idea. Um, And how does it go in your household? Do you have are you someone who really likes to cook the meals or are you doing multiple things or how does that work in your house?
1: yeah so um, so it's just me and my husband. we don't have kids or anything, but he luckily he's very amenable to healthy raw foods. I mean he doesn't own- <laughs> well, he
0: did marry you after all
1: <laughs> yeah um, he actually had my book before he e- ever even met me, so that was kind of cool. he was
0: a fan. <laughs>
1: But, um, yeah, so he's totally amenable to it, but he also doesn't want to eat all raw or even all vegetarian, has a very hearty appetite. So it's like, he's, he'll totally make anything I make him, but it's like, he's not going to only eat that. So Mm -hmm. what works well for us, I mean, first of all, like he, he does make some of the food, like not only will he be kind of my sous chef sometime and do a bunch of chopping, but he'll make smoothies and, you know, we'll kind of alternate who makes smoothies on what days or, or whatever. Um, but works, what works really well is just kind of in the beginning of the week talking about, you know, what we'd both like to eat, finding the common denominator. Yeah, I'll totally eat that salad, but then I want this other thing too. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, finding as many common denominators as possible and then figuring out what to have on hand and also to keep it simple. I mean, it's a balance because I'm always testing recipes for future courses and books. So on one hand, I have to kind of make a bunch of food all the time just for that reason. Mm -hmm. But when, um, I don't need to do that you know, we'll, we'll eat some repeated meals. We might eat the same thing for breakfast every day for a week, or the same thing for lunch every day for a week, and then change up dinner and get our fun and variety there. And that can really streamline the food prep and the shopping as well. And then the next week we'll change it. But, you know, keeping it simple really helps too, especially Mm -hmm. when both people in your family are eating a little differently, The, the simpler you can keep it, the better.
0: Definitely. So I know you mentioned the Living Light institute and that most of your students there might be more almost like people like me like people who might want to have a career in raw foods or just really step it up and they're already really into it so i would just love to hear even more about how that works there the living light institute and i don't know even like your recommendation for people who would be coming in are there a variety of different courses just a little bit about that i would love to know about that
1: yeah yeah so uh Yeah, so there's many courses there. Um, The core program is a chef and instructor training program, um, which is in total a a three-week course. And people who come are from a variety of walks of life. Some people want to be professional chefs like work in a restaurant or start a catering business or and they may have already been doing that either in the raw world or not the raw world and they want to add a raw component to their expertise mm-hmm. or um, they want to teach uh, there's a huge teacher training component there so maybe they want to teach classes whether it's live workshops retreats live classes online classes you know they want to be coaches they want to have a teaching component to their business mm-hmm. um, and then there's some people who just um, it's for personal enrichment and for the health of themselves and their families but are just super into it and want to like, you know, be a home chef or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and so the piece that I teach, I've taught, um, and there's, you know, extra electives. If you go beyond that, you can learn the science of nutrition. You can do gourmet classes and recipe development classes. But the piece that I teach there and have taught for many years um, is the teacher training program. And in addition to um, teaching beginners, one of my other passions is just teaching, and I love training teachers. So what we do in the teacher training program there is we take through people from start to finish how to put together a show-stopping culinary demo and organize class, mm. and um, and I train people in you know how to organize it all, what to say and what to do when, like in a calendar timeline, and uh, how to use an assistant and how to set up your table and how to put on organized three-hour classes and to charge. And I I did that for many years, so I trained people in how to do that. And what's amazing about it is they go through the process and then in the end they all uh, do some student teaching and do a demo and get feedback from all their peers and from me. So it's it's a great experience. I love teaching teachers and one reason that we really emphasize teaching at the school I mean, first of all, a lot of people do want to be teachers, but even people Mm -hmm. who don't know yet that they want to teach, we find that when people have to teach something, they learn that subject like inside out, like you learn it at a whole deeper level when it's mm-hmm. something that you're going to then have to share with others. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it just kind of gives you an attention to detail uh, that you wouldn't have otherwise, like if, if you're actually learning to teach and share something. And a lot of times people who even didn't know they wanted to be teachers, once they experience how fulfilling it is, they, they just love it and really want to keep doing it.
0: Yeah, I could totally see that. And also I think, too, they're almost – Really different skill sets because there's some people might be really great at the chef side of things and making food but teaching in an effective way and getting your students excited and inspired and in a clear way is a whole nother skill set and I guess you would know having been a teacher too before you even moved on to raw food teaching.
1: Absolutely, and I'm I'm so glad you said that because that's a a common misconception people have is like, oh, I just need to work on my chef skills more, and then I'll be a great teacher, or I can't teach because my chef skills aren't that great yet, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it it really is a different skill. When I first started teaching uh, raw foods, my chef skills were okay, but like my knife skills were kind of bad, and you know there was a lot I still didn't know. But it was okay. What I did is I then plan to teach classes on the very things I still needed to learn, you know, and that's like how I kept building up my skills and say, well, you know, I want to learn more about sauces. So let me teach a class where the recipes have a lot of sauces, you know, whatever. And, um, and you can absolutely be an amazingly effective teacher, even if you're still working on your chef skills and you're not quite there yet. If you share the information in a really engaging way and also remember that most people are really, really beginners and you're still going to know a lot more than they do, you know, mm-hmm. to, Share with them. And likewise, I've seen some amazing chefs, um, you know, give pretty unorganized demos. So it is, it, you know, even if you're a really good chef, I think it's important to learn the organizational and teaching skills if that's what you want to do that allow you to share the information effectively.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I just want to keep you on this call for hours because I have so many <laughs> okay. questions that I would love to ask you. But as we're kind of going to be winding up soon, I wonder if we're kind of today The idea was to talk about making raw food easy and simplicity. And is there any other question that I've missed or something that you think is really key that you want to share to our listeners, most of whom are maybe new to raw and wanting to make simple, delicious recipes for themselves?
1: Yeah, no, I mean... I just want to add that I know I've talked a lot about smoothies and salads, you know, which are kind of uh, familiar, and I, I start there because it's the easy, easiest thing, but I do want people to know there are so many amazing creative things that you can do with raw. You know, you might not have thought of it. So there's like the massaged kale salads, you know, and you might think, oh, I can only eat kale cooked. But actually, when you massage these tougher vegetables with a little lemon and a dash of olive oil and a little salt, you can create all kinds of wonderful cooked like textures or there's the zucchini noodles. So if you're avoiding wheat or white flour or pasta, you can still have pasta, you know, and and you just coat it with an amazing sauce like marinara or pesto or almond butter sauce or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, in the dessert world, there's, there's pies and puddings and cakes and cookies and ice creams and, you know, everything you can think of. And, and I'm sure if, you know, people go to your beautiful blog or look at some of the books out there, there's just so many possibilities. So if you do love food, I would just say that um, venturing into raw doesn't need to deprive you. It can actually expand your options of, mm-hmm. of what you can do with fresh ingredients.
0: Absolutely. And so, Jenny, I know, of course, you're at the Living Light Institute, but you also have your own site and a lot of stuff going on online, online training and all kinds of stuff. So I would love it if you could tell our listeners where they can find you and a little bit more, again, the titles of some of your books and all that kind of good stuff.
1: Sure, sure. So, my book is uh, my my first book is Raw Food Made Easy for One or Two People. And it was recently revised a year and a half ago. So, it's all revised and updated. Mm -hmm. And that book you can get on Amazon.com, as well as my other books and DVDs, Raw for Dessert. And I have a number of DVDs up there. Uh, One is called Simply Raw Food Made Easy. But yeah, the book is available on Amazon. And as far as where to find me, so um, my website that I've had for many years is learnrawfood.com. Dot com. And if you go there, there's and you want to get started, there's a, a free ebook called How to Go Raw for a Day that you can get with um, recipes for a full day of raw eating. Perfect. But I also want to let people know about a new website that I'm beginning um, that just started a few months ago called Easy Real Meals. EasyRealMeals.com. And the reason I started this venture is so many of my students, and myself included, Don't eat only raw. We eat high raw, but want to include other plant-based foods that are healthy in our diets as well and just Mm -hmm. kind of um, expand things and make it more accessible. So um, I'm going to be kind of branching out into this new direction where raw will be a huge part of it, but there'll also be some healthy uh, plant-based foods, you know, as well that aren't necessarily raw. It'll kind of be a fusion thing. Mm -hmm. So um, at easyrealmeals.com, it's not a full-fledged site right now, but if people do go there now, what I did do a few months ago is um, interviewed 25 of top vegan chefs about their favorite easy breakfast, lunch and dinner recipes, mm. including a lot of raw chefs, uh, about half the chefs on the on the panel were raw. Mm-hmm. So if people go there now to easyrealmeals.com, if you sign up, um, you'll still get uh, five of those interviews for free, including one of them is with Sherry Soria, the director of the Living Light Institute, mm. and uh, there's other raw chefs and, and vegan chefs on there. So I just wanted to let people know about that new venture. And also, if you sign up there every week, um, it doesn't say it up there, but I send out um, a newsletter with a recipe of the week. Most of them are raw. All of them are healthy and plant based. So that's also something um, you get if you join me at easyrealmeals.com.
0: Perfect. Well, I love that idea, too, because I I almost feel that in the raw food world, too, there's um, I feel like it used to be really like kind of a lot of rigid groups or like you must be 100% raw or you, you know, there's but I feel like more of it is sort of evolving into let's be healthy. Let's get more people involved in eating who, no matter who they are, even if they're still eating meat or whatever. Just like let's have people getting healthy. We know that there's lots of healthcare crises going on in the world and it's really great to, I think, have options for people and meeting them where they're at so that they can, you know, still also enjoy raw food made easy.
1: Absolutely. And one thing I've seen in the last several years is um, raw has become much more integrated just into mainstream eating. I mean, you'll see green smoothies everywhere, salads everywhere, green juices, even the raw desserts, you know. And so I feel like um, it's become a lot more integrated into just um, general healthy eating, which I think is a huge success. It's not something kind of, when I first started eating raw, nobody, you know, what is that? Is that like sushi? What is that? You know. Mm -hmm. So, but now people know what it is and Mm -hmm. it's out there. That's great.
0: Me too. Well, I just want to thank you so much, Jenny, for coming on the Raw Food Podcast and having a chat with me. I think you are just such a wonderful light in the raw food world, just your videos, and you're just really positive and really so easy to listen to. And I just want to thank you for coming on, and I'm looking forward to your new books. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Jenny. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. have been listening to the Raw Food Podcast with your host, The Rawtarian. Be sure to visit me at therawtarian.com where you can browse over 100 of my absolute favorite simple, satisfying raw vegan recipes that you'll find pretty quick to make and with just a few ingredients and that taste amazing. While you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. And once you've signed up for that, you'll automatically get a PDF copy of 11 of my most favorite, most satisfying, most delicious recipes, including raw vegan Alfredo sauce, raw brownies, and a whole host of other delicious recipes that you can make at home that are raw and taste amazing. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope to hear from you very soon. And until next time, enjoy your raw adventure.